get you a songbook, page number 526. Victory in Jesus tonight. He is Lord, but we have victory in him tonight. Page 526. Let's let our Awana leaders come forward and present our awards tonight. They have just come back from their Awana Olympics, and they'll tell you how well they did. We're real proud of the kids and the leaders and, and the great job they did over the weekend. While our Cubbies are coming, they've got some Cubbies awards, and then we're going to um, recognize the clubbers that went to our sparks Arama and to our Olympics this Friday and Saturday. Um, I just want to say one thing, and Ronnie Brown, you can time me. Okay. Um, God is good, amen? And God is blessing our Awana ministry. And when an Awana ministry becomes blessed, it grows. And when it grows, the needs multiply. And um, you are seeing such a small portion Tonight, if you look around through here, a small portion of the clubbers uh, that we have coming every week, we have such a large portion that come out of our community, and it grows constantly. And we are now having to go to a, another van, and we're trying to make preparations to uh, a, rent a van and pick up uh, more clubbers. I, 
I just cannot bring myself to turn anyone away. But the needs are strong, and, uh, and I just want to say, and I'm being timed, so I do want to say this. If you're sitting here right now and God is tugging at your heart saying, I need to do something to help this ministry, then come and see me because I have a place for you. And uh, if you're here on Wednesday nights and, and you say, man, I really do not want to be pulled out of the service. I feel like God needs me to be there to be able to learn and grow as a Christian. Then there is a time period after 8 o'clock when Brother Ken lets you go that we can use you and, and, and you can be used of God. But uh, the ministry is growing and the needs are growing. So uh, we need you to continue to pray for us that we can do everything that God would have us to do. These are the Cubbies, the three and four-year-olds, and they're getting their third elephant award tonight. They've learned four Bible verses. And we have Amanda Hickerson. We have Maggie Woods, Skylar Price, and Paige Sanford. Congratulations. We're going to start with our regular awards first, and then we'll tell you how we did at Olympics. Um, I have a green jewel for Amanda Thompson. She brought a visitor, she did a prayer chart, and she learned a Bible verse. I have a red jewel and a crown for Tyler Bennett. He learned six verses. I have a red jewel for Garrett Woody. He learned four verses of the New Testament books. A red jewel for Justin Johnston. He learned four verses in the Old Testament book. I have a red jewel for Randy Haskett. She learned 12 verses. Well, to tell you the way the Sparkies did at the Sparks Roma was the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan have nothing on us. We have five repeated or however you say it. This is the fifth year in a row the Sparks have walked away with first place and, and, and the so. Uh, I'm just going to call out all the kids' names and y'all will, uh, I guess, just clap for them whenever we get done. Uh, got, we got 16, the, we took 16 Sparkies up there and they all did a great job. We, uh, we had it won about five events into it, so uh, we were real proud of them. Cameron Workman, uh, Jake Spence, Justin Johnson, Gavin Wiley, Garrett Woody, Clayton Hall, Brandon Sutton, Tate Smith, Whitney Workman, Rachel Reed, Janie Daggett, Chandler McKinney, Allison Holcomb, Courtney Kennedy, Andrew Thompson, and Randy Haskett. the third through sixth grade girls were the chums and guards and uh, these girls worked hard yesterday we placed second so I'm proud of them and their hard work we've got a uh, 
participation patch and a uh, second place ribbon for each of them. Uh, we have Caitlin. Well, y'all got out of order here. All right, Megan Reed. She'll be receiving. She's our fourth grader. Holly Thompson. Chelsea Morrow. Caitlin Kennedy. Alyssa uh, Flippo. Lauren Johnston. Reagan Smith. Sarah Sherwood, and Susan Denisi. Let's give these girls a big hand. They worked hard yesterday. <clears throat> Our coaches for the girls' team, of course, is myself and Tracy Morrow, Cindy uh, Wood. She wouldn't come up here, and uh, Connie Seals. They were the slave drivers, so if your kids came home tired or didn't want to do their homework, it's their fault. So, But I appreciate all their help, and... Uh, we are allowed four practices outside of club time, so uh, we have to schedule outside practices. I appreciate all the parents that were faithful to get them there. All you that prayed and uh, came out and supported us yesterday, we appreciate that. Thank you. We're the Pals and the Pioneers. This is the third through the sixth grade. And since we've only got about half of our team here right now, I went ahead and handed out all of their awards uh, on Saturday. And every one of these team members, we couldn't have done it without them. Every one of them got a first place in one of their events that they were in. And if it only, we'd only had three more points, we'd have been in first. But we got second place. And I want to recognize, first of all, all their clubbers. We got Brandon Daggett, Charlie Webb, Stephen Gaffin, Tyler Sanford, Zachary Seals, Jonathan Berry, Christopher Sherwood, Joshua Sutton, and Nolan Woody. This is just half of our team. We've got a lot of boys that are from the neighborhood that are not in church right now, but we couldn't have done it without all of them. So let's give them a big hand. Uh, they did great uh, first in two seconds, is that right? Let's give all the Awana folks another good hand. Everybody, thank you. Praise the Lord. A set of ushers come forward to receive our offering tonight. And let me remind you, coming up March the 25th, we've got three Super Sundays over the next couple of months. Uh, Revival Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and then Relative Sunday. And all three of these Sundays, we're all putting forth a special effort to get family and friends in. And so two weeks from today, we began revival. So everybody work to bring someone that Sunday. Let's pray now. Father, bless the offering. Continue to move in this service now and glorify the name of Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
It's a joy tonight to have Deidre Brown with us. She is serving with Baptist International Missions and Claim Ministries. She met with our mission committee earlier. Ms. Brown, if you would come, take just a few moments and share what the Lord has called you to do, and let's welcome her to our services tonight. Thank you so much for letting me be here with you. Um, let me just start by asking you a question. Brand or generic? Well, according to the FDA, a brand name drug is the original version of a drug. And a generic is, quote, equivalent to the brand name. Yet the FDA does not require the generic drugs to go through the extensive clinical trials required in the development of the original brand name drug. Jesus went through a similar trial. He was spit upon, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was crucified. But on the third day, he arose. The false religions and the cults, the generics, they don't go through the extensive trials nor the shedding of blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The generic gods of the world are dead, and they're not adequate to save anyone from sin and hell. But Jesus, the brand name, is alive and able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Well, that's the story, the story of Jesus and his saving power that I want to share with the whole world. I was saved, and I should have told you before I started that, that I'm a pharmacist, that that would put a little more bearing on the brand or generic. But when I was nine years old, I understood that I was a sinner and was saved, and um, then began my pharmacy career after graduating from the University of Georgia in Anchorage, Alaska. And then I transferred to Salem, Oregon. It wasn't until then until I first met missionaries and just began to understand missionaries and have a love for missionaries. And it was there in 1994 that I surrendered to be obedient to whatever God had for me. Had the opportunity when I transferred to Juneau, Alaska, to go with the claim ministry. I saw Dr. Clayton Shumpert there, and he told about the claim ministry, how Pete, they use people from the church, just like this one, to go on trips. And I had the opportunity to go to Kobe, Japan, change my life. I saw the people worshiping dead idols there and broke my heart. And as I saw those people just stand in a long line to wait to ring a bell and to clap their hands to wake up their gods, I wanted to shout to them that my God never sleeps and he's always ready to answer prayers and to save them from their sin. And the Lord, when I got back from that trip, the Lord began dealing with my heart to take the pharmacy that he had given me and use that on the mission field to tell people uh, about Jesus. So the Lord directed me back to uh, Temple Baptist Seminary, where I became active at Highland Park, who is my sending church. Like Pastor said, I'll be working with the Claim Ministry. They've, I think you're familiar with them. They've been around for about eight years doing construction and evangelism, and I'll be um, under the direction of Brother Carl Vano taking out medical teams. Our first trip was to Cambodia. With medical equipment and medicine, we were able to take in 2 million gospel tracts and 50,000 copies of the Gospel of John. Lord willing, in about um, two weeks, we'll be leaving for Manila, Philippines, taking a medical team of nine members. We'll be taking... 50,000 gospel tracts written in their language will work. Um, actually, we're going to be in two different churches, one in Manila working for about a week there, holding church services, medical clinic. Then we're going to go to a 
look to the province where they're starting a brand new work and they're using, they'll announce the medical clinics and um, we'll have a gospel service, gospel message so they can clearly understand the gospel. And then we'll have a medical clinic just using that as a tool to bring people in. And Lord willing, um, the end of July, we'll be going to the Ukraine, um, going there to hold clinics, work in the orphanages there, a burn center. The Lord is just opening the door to tell people about Jesus through medicine. So um, the goal of claim, the medical part, is to have one medical team going per month. I covet your prayers. Also, if there are any medical people in here or you know of somebody that's interested, we'd please have them contact me. I'd love for you to go with me. Let me just ask you one more question in closing. When filling your prescription of life, will you accept the cheap generic or do you insist on the brand name Jesus? in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. The Lord's allowing me to be his ambassador to the world through medicine. Will you pray for me as I take the prescription, Jesus Christ, to a hurting world? Thank you.
bright. We will live through the ages by that beautiful tree of life. When some glad tomorrow with the saints I'll stand. I'll put on a crown and walk around all of God's promised land. Oh,
everyone stand tonight as the choir is coming down. You know the, the routine around here. Let's don't make it a routine in the sense that we just dread it. But let's get out with a smile on our face, shake hands with everyone around. Look for those visitors. Make sure they feel welcome tonight.
Thank you. You may be seated. We've had a lot of requests for Brother Robert to sing again, and he's graciously consented. We're going to ask him to come now and sing for us. Before I sing, I just want to keep on playing. There you go. Keep on playing. Uh, the message this morning uh, was very touching to me. Uh, there's uh, family members that's living wayward lives in my immediate family. Not here, but uh, McMinnville and other places. They need your prayers. They need your prayers. And there's members of my married family that needs prayers too. Need to be guided to the Lord and been asked many times to come here and visit. You pray with us that someday they'll come go to some church. It's heavy on our hearts. Jennifer and I, we, we face things, a lot of things, and we don't talk about it publicly a lot. But the things very dear to our hearts that we want to see for our, our little family and our our family as a whole. You pray for us. This is one thing I know we can do. Just take his hand. He'll guide us through it. We'll make it. Because we got the Lord. Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am worn, mm, through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to your heavenly light. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me on. Mm, when my way groweth drip, precious Lord, oh, thank you for lingering near. When my life is almost gone, mm, hear my cry, hear my call. Please hold my hand, oh, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. Mm, 
in the darkness, oh, the darkness of fear and the night draws near. Oh, in the day, day is past, oh, it's gone. Oh, 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 at the river, the river I'll stand. Got my feet, Lord, hold my hand. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on, mm, precious Lord. Please take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. You know I get a little tired, a little weary. If I don't bless you, you just can't be blessed. Amen. Let's take our Bible and turn to the book of Joshua chapter 10. And as you do so, let's stand in reverence to the public reading of his word. Joshua chapter 10. We're making our way through Joshua. Go right ahead, Miss Eva. Absolutely. Amen. It was a blessing. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Great. Amen. Let's all stand and honor in the reading of his word. Thank the Lord. We've all got a lot to be thankful for and to praise the Lord for, and, and we ought to do it. Amen. I think that's what Scripture means when it said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that we're to be vocal in our expressions of thanksgiving, vocal in our expressions of praise. Well, as you know, on Sunday night, we're making our way through Joshua. We looked at the first part of chapter 10 last Sunday night. I'm going to kind of, in the first point of the message tonight, give you just a brief review to set the stage for the passage that I want to look at tonight. 
But I want to look at an interesting, interesting scene in the book of Joshua. And I want us to think tonight about hanging the kings or hanging the kings in our life. You find the story of the kings that are hanged here by Joshua. Look at verse 20. Joshua 10 and verse 20. The Bible said, And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them, that had all the people returned to the camp of Joshua at Makeda and in peace, and none moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then said Joshua, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so. And brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went with him, Come near, put your feet upon the neck of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, verse 26, the Bible said, Joshua smote them, that is the five kings, and slew them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging upon the trees until the evening. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And let's talk tonight about hanging the kings. I'm going to give you three simple little thoughts. And I want you to listen tonight. I want you to get this. Because as we have been finding, as we've made our way through Joshua, the whole journey through Joshua is teaching us how to live in victory. I believe tonight if you get a hold of the principles that I'm about to share with you, it'll change your life and it'll change how you face life and whether or not you become victorious. There are kings and every one of them have got to be hanged. If we're going to conquer the land, we've got to hang those kings. And so let's look at the story tonight and glean from the story. Father, in Jesus' name, what a blessing it has already been to be in the house of the Lord. And Father, we do thank you that you are near we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we can follow you and trust in you and lean on you. And in those hours in which we need you the most, we're thankful, Lord, that you can take us by the hand and lead us and guide us. We thank you for this. Now, Father, we ask you that the Spirit of God might help us to see the truth that is so wonderfully demonstrated here in the passage before us. May we as your children tonight see this truth and may it grip our hearts and may we get a hold of it. May we learn tonight from what happened hundreds of years ago, yea, thousands of years ago. May we glean from it tonight to help us in the present. Father, we pray now that you will be glorified and we submit ourselves to you now that you might speak to us, myself, all of us, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. As I have stated so often in our study through Joshua, the book of Joshua is about learning how to live in victory. It's about the children of Israel possessing their possessions. It is about the children of Israel conquering their Canaan. They, are now, they have been brought into the land that God has given them. And all through the story of Joshua and the conquering of the land, 
we find principles of living in victory. You find in the book of Joshua that you have descriptions of war. You find them fighting battle after battle after battle. And not only descriptions of war, but depictions of winning. For you find there's battle after battle after battle after battle. But you also find there is victory after victory after victory after victory. There was one in which they were a victim rather than a victor, and that was the battle of Ai. But they overcome that, and they were victorious in the battle that followed. You see, it's a whole story, a whole journey that demonstrates that the child of God is to live in victory. But yet I think how tragic it is that many believers do not live a victorious life. And when we talk about a victorious life, we're not talking about something that's just for the pastor. And we're not talking about something that's just for those super saints. We're talking about something that is God's design for every believer. It is the plan and the purpose of God that every believer live in victory. But again, it is tragic that many believers do not live in victory, and they live defeated lives. Many would be like Vance Havner said, that many Christians are living such subnormal Christian lives that if they began to live a normal Christian life, people would think them abnormal. And that's about the truth. But I want to say to you tonight that the normal Christian life is a life of victory. And we've emphasized that throughout the journey through Joshua. But tonight I want to emphasize that in a particular way and share with you what I believe is crucial if you are going to possess your possessions and conquer your Canaan. Now, let's look at Joshua 10. Let me go back over the story that we looked at last week in my first point, lay the stage and set the background to the, middle, to the next two things that I want to say. The first thing that I want you to see in Joshua 10 is this. I want you to see a picture of victory. A picture of victory. Now, here's the background, and I take you back to last Sunday night. The Gibeonites had made an alliance with Joshua, and this led to an alliance of five kings which declared war on Gibeon. And so these five kings came down to war against Gibeon, and Gibeon cried out. The Gibeonites cried out to Joshua for help, and Joshua, you find in the first part of chapter 10, comes to their aid. And you find how that he comes to their defense and you find that he was victorious in the process. Now let me just set the stage by saying that when you find Joshua fighting a battle and you find him in conflict, it reminds us that we as a believer that we are in a spiritual warfare. I put it this way many, many times. We are not on a playground. We are on a battleground. And as a believer, we are fighting a battle every day of our life. There is a spiritual warfare that we are involved in. We're in a spiritual battle with this world. And when we talk about the world, we're talking about a system around us that hates God and a system that wants to pull us away from God. We're in a battle with the world. We're in a battle with our flesh, that old man, that old part of us, that part of us that was not redeemed, that part of us that still loves and longs for the things of the world. We battle with our flesh, and we battle with the ultimate enemy, which is the devil. But yet I find that Joshua's victory reminds us that we can be and we should be victorious in battle. We find him victorious. We find for one thing, as you look at his victory, that it was a marvelous victory. 
Verse 10 said there was a great slaughter. Verse 20 said there was a great slaughter. You find it was a marvelous victory. Joshua and his army marched 25 miles from Gilgal to Gibeon under the cover of darkness, a very tiresome journey with an extent of over 4,000 feet over a steep and a difficult terrain. But yet, they were victorious. There was a great slaughter. And I remind you tonight, no matter how difficult your battles may be, you can be victorious in those battles. It was a marvelous victory. And as we emphasized last Sunday night, it was not only a marvelous victory, but second of all, it was a miraculous victory. For you find how God miraculously intervened on behalf of the children of Israel. We saw the two miracles. There was the miracle of the hell, those hell stones that were like guided missiles hitting no one but the enemy. And there was the miracle of the heavens, the sun and the moon stood still, giving them the extra light that they needed in order to win the battle. It was a victorious battle. It was a miraculous victory. The Lord fought the battle for them. But in that, you see a picture of victory. But let me give you a second thing. Here's what I want you to see tonight. You not only have a picture of victory in the chapter, but you have what I want to call the principles of victory. Now you say, Brother Ken, you've been talking about living a victorious life. How do I live a life of victory? How do I overcome in the battles of life? How do I overcome in my battle with this world? How do I overcome with this battle with my flesh? How do I overcome this, in this battle against the devil? How do I overcome and live victorious? Look at the story. Joshua, you notice as he won the victory there, there was a certain way that he treated those five kings. Now remember, these are five kings that came together, formed an alliance, and went down to attack Gibeon and the children of Israel. But you find that when they were defeated, you read back, I believe it is in verse 10, that these five kings, uh, verse 17, these, seven, these five kings, they hid themselves in a cave. And they sealed the cave off and came back later and brought the kings out. But it's what Joshua did with these kings that gives us what I believe is a very, very, very critical principle in living in victory. Let me just point them out to you. Three things about these kings. One. You see the five kings hiding. Look at verse 16. The Bible said, But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Machida. And the Bible said in verse 17, it was told Joshua, saying, These five kings are found hid in a cave at Machida. And Joshua said, Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave and sit, set men by it for to keep them. Now you have these five kings hiding. They know they are defeated, and so these five kings run for their life, and they hide in a cave. Five kings hiding. Now, these kings represent those things that seek to rule our life. A king is a ruler. A king is one that dominates. A king is one that sets in authority. And these kings represent the things in our life that seek to rule our life. You see, a lot of times there are things hiding in our life. Or there are things, we might say, that are abiding in our life. They're hiding away in our heart. They're hiding away in our life. And they're the very things that are keeping us from being victorious. Now, we can name many things tonight. You can make your own list if you wanted to. That king hiding in your heart may be lust. That king hiding in your heart may be hatred. That king hiding in your heart may be bitterness. 
That king hiding in your heart may be your tongue. That king hiding in your heart may be unforgiveness. It may be pride. And on and on and on I could go. But he's a king. And he hides in your heart. And he is the one that wants to overthrow you. He is the one that wants to defeat you. I think about an interesting statement made in Hebrews chapter 12. It's a very interesting statement there, and it's always fascinated me. He talks about being compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And he tells us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. He talks about the sin, not many sins, but he talks about one particular sin that doth so easily beset us. And the ideal, that word beset there, which sin would so easily beset us, beset speaks of a competitor thwarting a runner. Maybe you like a runner running in his lane, and here is another runner in his lane. But yet he does something to hinder that runner from running the race or winning the race. It's a runner thwarting another runner. Tyndale translates the statement, the sin that hangeth on us. And Weymouth translated the sin that so readily entangles our feet. And one translated that statement, the sin which so easily submits one to calamity. There is one thing, the writer said, that could be the one thing that causes you to fall. Is that one thing in your life, that one thing, that one cave that hides in your life, but yet it's that one besetting sin. Here's a hundred other things, and not one of them bother you, but there is that one thing that becomes your Achilles heel, that one thing that trips you up. Statement refers to a particular sin, to a particular king, we might say, a dead fly in the ointment, a parasite in the tree, a danger lurking in the shadows, a viper that can strike at any moment. It's like a king hiding in the cave, that which seeks to rule your life. But look at something else about these kings. You not only see these five kings hiding, but second of all, you see these five kings humiliated. Verse 18, we read it a moment ago. Joshua said, Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave and set men by it for to keep them. Look down in verse 24. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua. They fled to the cave to hide. Joshua heard about it. He rolled a stone in front of the cave and he put sealed them in there, put guards there. But they came back later and said, Bring them to me. And these kings, Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war which went with them. Come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. Now, following an eastern custom, Joshua ordered his commanders to put their feet on the king's neck. And that was a custom in those days that was symbolic of the complete subjugation of the defeated enemy and the token of victory on the part of the one that had conquered. When that commander, that defeated king, bowed down on his, on his knees and stuck his neck out, and those commanders put their heel on it, they were saying, we are the victor, you are the victim. And that was an act whereby they were saying to that king, you are totally under our authority. You are totally under our domain. You are no longer in charge. We are now in charge. I want you to understand something tonight. If we're going to live in victory as a child of God, there are those kings in our life, those kings that want to rule over us, those things that want to have dominance in our life, 
those things that want to be in charge, those things that want to have the priority. But if we're going to live in victory somewhere, that king in our life, one, two, three, four, five, whatever it may be, somewhere we have got to put our foot on the neck of that king. It's those kings that if you leave them alone, they're going to rule you. But somewhere, that very thing has to be brought into submission. You have to become the victor, not the victim. You have to conquer, not be conquered in the matter. I think about what Alan Redpath in one of his books had to say. He said, there will be no victory in the name of Christ until you declare total war against everything in your life that is sinful. He says, fancy you and me having our feet on the neck of jealousy, on pride or of a critical spirit or a harsh tongue. Fancy our having our feet on the neck of every crippling thing in our Christian testimony. Could it be tonight there's somebody in this room, you really love the Lord, you're sincere about serving God, but there is that one thing that seems to trip you up. It is that one thing that entangles your feet as you run. It is that one king that seems to get dominance in your life, and just when you think you're really doing good, it's the one king that brings you down. I'm going to tell you what you got to do with that king. Somewhere you got to put your foot on the neck of that king and bring that king down to submission. Somewhere that king has to be conquered. Somewhere that thing in your life that is ruling you has to be brought into submission. You have to become the conquered one. Put in your feet on the neck of every crippling thing on our Christian testimony. That's the five kings humiliated, but he doesn't stop there. You not only see the five kings hiding, and you not only see the five kings humiliated, but you see the five kings hanging. Look at verse 26. He not only humiliates them by making them bow down and his commanders put their foot upon their necks. It doesn't stop there. Verse 26, and afterward Joshua smote them and slew them and hanged them on five trees and he left them hanging on the trees until the evening. Now somebody might come along and say, boy, Joshua, you're talking about a cruel individual. You say, Joshua, you're talking about somebody that was awful and cruel. He'd already defeated them. Why don't you just go ahead and put them in prison? Why hang them? Why go out and beat them and then kill them and then take their corpse and hang them in a tree? Why go to that? Why did he just put them in prison and let them stay in there? I'll tell you why. Because Joshua understood something that every one of us in this room needs to understand. First of all, I want you to realize those five kings, you know what they were to start with? They were enemies. Every one of those five kings, why did he confront those five kings? Why was he in conflict with those five kings? Because every one of those kings wanted to overcome Joshua. Every one of those kings, this was their goal. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to bring Joshua down. I'm going to destroy Joshua. I'm going to destroy the children of Israel. That's why they all came together. Joshua understood, one, they were an enemy. And Joshua knew, number two, they were a king. They were born to rule. They were trained to rule. Their destiny was to rule. He knew they were an enemy. He knew they were a king. And he knew that they would always be a king and always be an enemy. If he didn't get rid of them totally, they would always be a threat to him. Put them in prison, you say. What if they got out? 
If they got out of prison, you know what they'd do? Somewhere, it may take them years, but somewhere they would raise up another army and raise up another kingdom. They'd regain their throne somewhere, and one day down the road, they'd come marching back again with the purpose of defeating Joshua. You know what Joshua knew that he had to do? If he was going to eliminate this problem, they had to hang. So he hung all five of them. I'll quote Alan Redpath again. It's not enough to leave five kings lurking in a cave. They must be slain. I'm going to tell you something. If there's a king in your life today, the king that's ruling you, and a king that's pulling you down, you've got to become the victor in that thing. You've got to put your foot on the back of the neck of that thing that is hurting you and pulling you down. And don't stop there. It's got to die. It's got to be slain. You can't just put it to the side and say, well, it's not bothering me anymore. No, 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 no. If it bothered you in the past, if you don't hang it somewhere, it'll bother you again. If you don't hang it in the tree somewhere, somewhere it's going to rise back up and say, I want to be in charge. You've got to see to it that anything in your life that'll pull you down and destroy you, you've got to see that it's slain. It's got to die. You've got to crush it out. It can't live there. You can't hide it over in a cave somewhere and seal it up and let it go. Somebody will come along and pull the stone out. You can't put it in bars and hope and pray. I hope this don't ever bother me. No, somewhere there's got to be a total death. Somewhere there's got to be a crucifying of that very thing that pulls you down. You can't let it hang on to you. Sin's like a leech. You think you've got the upper hand, but it's a king. It's an enemy. And if you let it live somewhere, it'll come back again, and it'll try to destroy you. No, you've got to hang it. Are you listening to me tonight? It's got to die. It's got to hang. If we as a believer are going to live in victory, we dare not leave one king hidden in our life. And if we're going to live in victory, we dare not let one king live in our life. They've all got to die. Can I get an amen right there? That's the principle of victory. I promise you one thing. You get a hold of that. That besetting sin. Maybe there is that one thing that pulls you down. Tell you what, do. Get your foot on its neck and say, you're dying, boy. You've run my life and you've ruled my life through the power of Jesus Christ. You're hanging tonight. You're not going to live in my life anymore. Hang in it so it don't pull you down. Because you, mark, it, mark it down. You let a king live, it'll give you problems every time you turn around. Let a king live, and he may form another alliance one day that will bring you down. It's got, they got to die, and they've got to hang. That's why Joshua hung those five kings. There is the principle of victory. A third and a final thing. Just give it the point, and we move right on. When I look at the rest of the story, I find what I call the progression of victory. Look at verse 28. And that day Joshua took Makeda and smote it with the edge of the sword, and the king thereof, he utterly destroyed them, and all the souls that were therein, he let none remain, and he did to the king of Makeda as he did unto the king of Jericho. And then Joshua passed from Makeda and all Israel with him unto Libna, and fought against Libna, and so on and so on and so on. The progression of victory. I think about when General Douglas MacArthur spoke to the graduating class at West Point. He quoted Plato to the effect, quoted Plato to the effect that only the dead have seen the end of war. I want you to understand something tonight. Only those who are now with the Lord have seen the end of spiritual warfare. 
Here were five kings that Joshua conquered. Here were five kings that he hung. But that wasn't all the kings that were out there. From that point on, it was one king after another that he was conquering. And it was one battle after another. Victory became a daily thing in his life. It became a progressive matter in his life. You read on out through the book of Joshua that it's just a story of conquering and conquering and going on and on and on and on and and claiming their Canaan and possession their possession. They moved on in victory and they conquered every enemy that lay within their path. You listen to me. When we deal with the kings that threaten us, there are going to be others. But if you'll deal with the things that are threatening you right now, you'll be able to deal with the things that will threaten you tomorrow. If you don't deal with the things that threaten you tonight, you'll find that they are the ones that you face tomorrow will become a threat in your life and they'll begin to pile up and there'll be such an alliance there that you will fall. But deal with every king hiding in your heart tonight. Put your foot on their neck. Hang them on a tree. Overcome them and you'll find that you'll be able to face the kings of tomorrow. You keep on warring, but you keep on winning. We not only are to live a victorious Christian life, but we're to live a continuous victorious Christian life, going on and on and on, living in victory. How about you? Is there some king you need to deal with? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads are bowed. Those that are going to be baptized, you can slip out and begin to get ready for the baptism. But while our heads are bowed or not, I want you to get this. I want you to get it. I want you to get this story. Stories always fascinated me about these kings and what Joshua did to them. What a tremendous principle here to get a hold of that kings that seek to rule your life, they have to die. Is there something in your life tonight that is ruling you? Something tonight that is seeking to destroy you, wants to defeat you, can defeat you, can conquer you? that you need to put your foot on tonight, to put your foot on the back of its neck and say, no, 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 you are not going to conquer me. I am going to conquer you. It's maybe saying to the world, world, I'm not going to let you conquer me. I'm going to let my wants for the world be brought in submission to my wants for God. Saying to the flesh, flesh, you're not going to be the dominant one in my life. You're not going to be my master. You're going to be my servant. He's saying to the things of the world and saying to the flesh and the devil, no, 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 no. I am going to put my foot on the neck of that very thing that would try to bring me down. I'm going to hang it so that it's no longer a threat in my life and I'm going to live on in victory and march on in victory. That's what God has for every believer. And maybe tonight God needs to help somebody tonight get a hold of that. We're going to sing in just a moment. I want you to come tonight. Maybe there's someone here tonight that's never accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. I invite you to come. Just get about your seat, walk down here. Somebody will meet you and show you from the Bible how you can be saved and know that you have eternal life. We'd love to take the Scriptures tonight and show you how you can be saved. We invite you to come. Maybe somebody uncertain. Maybe somebody away from God. Tonight is night that you want to come and give your life to God and serve God. There may be even those who want to come tonight and unite with our church, saying this is where we want to serve God. It's where we want to be a member at. There may be somebody that wants to come tonight and on your knees somewhere say to some king in your life, King, you've ruled in my life too long. You've ruled in my life way too long. You're dying tonight. I'm going to hang you. And you're no longer going to be a force in my life. And you're no longer going to be a power in my life. By the help and the grace of God, through my heavenly commander, 
I'm going to win. You may need to do that tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, let us get a hold of the principles of victory. Let us get a hold of the truth of overcoming and living in victory. Speak to us tonight. Give us, Lord, help us to respond to what you want to do in our lives. And may we hang those kings tonight, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.